Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Today we talk about majesty. Majesty comes from a Latin word meaning greater. The word describes the august personalities of renowned individuals. Majestic people, by reason of their position, their office, their heritage, they command great respect. More times than not, the word majesty finds itself in company with another word, royalty. The British royalty commands a degree of respect from its subjects and commonwealths from the world at large. The degree of the respect comes not only from the occupant of the throne, but of the power of the country represented. Here's the rule. The greater the kingdom, the more majesty. There are kings, and then there are kings. When Handel's Messiah was first performed in London, the British king was in attendance. The oratorio eventually came to the Hallelujah Chorus, magnifying the omnipotence of God. Everyone, including the king, stood to show their respect to the sovereign of the universe. There are kings, and then there are kings. Jack Hayford penned that beautiful song, Majesty. Worship his majesty. Unto Jesus be all glory, honor, and praise. Majesty, kingdom authority. From his throne, Unto his own is anthem raise. There are kings, and then there are kings. Our king is the king of all kings, and the Lord of all lords, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Hello, my name is Ken Gurley, and all of this week on Daily Devotion, we're going to lift up the Lord and acknowledge that you can trust him. You can trust him with every area of your life. Luke records a sentence that I bring to your attention. These few words intrigue me. This sentence is sandwiched between a mighty miracle and a terrible prophecy. The mighty miracle was Jesus speaking a word to a possessed boy. Light conquered darkness. Good triumphed over evil. Liberty vanquished bondage. And the boy was free and restored to health. The terrible prophecy following this sentence was Jesus telling his disciples that he would soon be betrayed. So frightening were these words that the disciples were rendered speechless. What was the sentence between the mighty miracle and the terrible prophecy? Just a few words to describe the crowd's reaction to our Lord's power over the enemy. Here it is, Luke 9.43. And they were all amazed at the majesty of God. We should witness the awesome majesty of our God. We should be witnesses of his majesty. God is majestic in his character. He is unparalleled in his greatness. We see this through the first four usages of the word majesty in scripture. The first mention of the word majesty is found in Moses' last words to Israel. How did Moses summarize the lessons God had taught him 
in the last 40 years. How could he encapsulate what God had done in leading his people from Egypt? Just prior to climbing Mount Nebo, Moses speaks of the sword of the Lord's majesty. That God's majesty is compared to the sword. The sword is a description of his greater power. God's majesty is revealed by his ability to conquer. His majesty, his greatness, extends to all areas before the people of God. Majesty's second mention in the scripture is found in association with David dancing before the ark of God's presence. While dancing before the Lord, David sang of God's majesty, honor and majesty are before him. The third and fourth usages of the word majesty are telling. David thanks God for his reign as king over God's people, but David is quick to add in 1 Chronicles 29, 11, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power and the glory, the victory and the majesty, for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Later in that same chapter, David's son Solomon became king. And listen to what is said of Solomon, 1 Chronicles 29, 25. So the Lord exalted Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel and bestowed on him such royal majesty as had not been seen in any king before him in Israel. Solomon was Israel's third king. Saul, the first king, was emblematic of law. David, the second king, was a picture of grace. Solomon, the third king, revealed a glimpse of a coming kingdom. Each of the three had greater majesty than the predecessor, David more than Saul, Solomon more than David. And all of their majesty stemmed from the Lord himself, who shared his majesty with others. When we say his majesty, we could say instead his greatness, his magnificence, his glory. We could call him the Lord God omnipotent who reigns. We could speak of his majesty by giving him and ascribing to him the title King of Kings or Lord of Lords. But when we say his majesty, we are speaking of the God who is truly majestic. Zephaniah said, because God is almighty, he rejoices over us with gladness. Jeremiah said that because God is steadfast, he rejoices over his people with all of his heart and soul. David said the Lord's eyes look over all of the earth to show himself strong to those whose hearts are blameless before him. Moses said that the Lord delights in prospering his people. Paul said that our God supplies all of our needs. And in the ages to come, Paul said, he will show us the immeasurable riches of his grace. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up. His majesty fills the temple. I'm trying today to say you can trust this God who has all power, all glory, all magnificence, and all majesty. And that majesty from the Old Testament was translated into the New Testament. When the God-made man walked upon this earth, Simon Peter would say we were eyewitnesses to that 
majesty. We saw him in all of his glory, his splendor, and power. So where does that leave us today as Christ's followers? We need to exalt him, place him in his rightful place, and lift him up. For that is the secret of all praise and all adoration, is as we lift him up, then he lifts us up. And so we say with the eighth Psalm, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all of the earth. But there is a concern that is taking place right now in our world. It's the shrinking of splendor. James Packer in his classic work, Knowing God, wrote that our view of God suffers from a failure to capture a sense of his majesty. In a contemporary church setting, our Lord is viewed as a problem solver, a marriage fixer, an all-around good guy, the kind of person you'd like to hang out with. But in speaking of a God that drew near, we sometimes lose sense of the God who is all-powerful. There is a great gulf fixed between God and man, and that gulf is there because of the greatness and grandeur of God. God is not like us. He is holy, set apart, distanced. God is not like us in his wisdom, his power, and his presence. He's eternal. He's infinite. He's almighty. Who among us can rightly use one of those adjectives to describe ourselves? And who would want a God that can be reduced down to man's level and not be august and supreme? Figuratively, we can praise God with a banjo, a harmonica, a tambourine, a castanet, a kazoo, a foghorn. But on occasion, our worship should be like the massive pipes of an organ that form notes so deep, so complex, so powerful that they vibrate and resonate through us and the world. We need to be reminded He is indeed an awesome God. For when the majesty of God is lost, so is the power. This is the reason some people's faith is so weak and their worship meaningless. They worship a problem solver and not the king of kings. They worship a God made into their own image and not the one true and living God who wishes to refashion them and conform them to his image. That passage of scripture we read said everyone was amazed at the majesty of God. When was the last time we stood amazed at the character, the name, the power, and the works of God? I mean, stood amazed, astonished, astounded, bewildered, speechless in his presence. If we can't think of the last time, then it's been way too long. That majesty must be restored. When we remove ourselves from the throne, when we permit God to be God, when we allow the King of Kings to reign supremely in our hearts, a revolution of sorts begins. I think of the great revivals down through the years, the Great Awakening, the Second Great Awakening, the Cambridge Revival, the Azusa Street Revival. It's difficult to find the beginning of a single great move of God that did not begin by people restoring God to his rightful position. Revival involves the shrinking of man's psyche, pride, and ego, and it involves the elevation of God. Revival follows the return of God to his majestic place. 
Healings follow the return of his presence. Prodigals come once Jesus has been restored to this preeminent position. When God is exalted, great things begin to happen. Restore him to that place in our lives. And when we do, we too will behold his majesty. When we do, we will praise his greatness. When we restore him to his majesty, we will lift up his power. His word will fall like rain. The miracles will be evident. We will lose our fear of man. We will lose our fear of the future. Everyone around us can also be amazed at the majesty of God. Because with an awakening, there comes a shaking and bonds are loose. We no longer limit the Holy One of Israel. We loose the Almighty to be Almighty in our lives. This majestic God we can trust. The Bible teaches that in the last days, the Lord's majesty will appear again. That's Isaiah 2, 2 Thessalonians 1. The psalmist said, Honor and majesty are before him. Let the earth be glad, for he comes to judge the earth. That our Lord is coming, and he will appear in all of his majesty. Oh, I want to see him then, but not just then. I want to see the majestic God at work in my life today. And the only way that can happen is when I restore him as the king of kings in my life. That I say, Jesus, be the Lord of all, of everything in my life, Lord. It belongs to you. It's all about you. It's all through you. And it's all to you. This is a God you can trust. The God who is all majestic and powerful. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. Blessed, 90 Days to Change Your World is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.